Greetings, boils and ghouls. You're listening to Crypt Creepers, the podcast where we exhume and rejuvenate the greatest horror anthology of our generation, Tales from the Crypt. I'm Thomas Johnston, and the Cronenberg-esque orifice in my armpit is my one and only sister, Mary Johnston. <laughs> so offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would like to be from Rabbit. I thought you loved Cronenberg. I do. I, I do. thought you loved horror movies that were supported by the nation of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love a Canuck horror movie. You know, I love a Canuck anything, basically. Do you like like legitimate Canuck horror movies like Cronenberg or do you like like faux Canadian like, you know, Tusk? Like everything, like every other director in Hollywood, you mean? Uh, no, I mean, I particularly love Cronenberg, but. Actually, I, I just wonder, is there anybody aside from Kevin Smith who's making like fake Canadian horror movies? I don't know. I don't know. We have to we have to dip in and see what Paul Gross has been up to. Deep dive. Paul Gross wouldn't be in a horror movie. He would. He was in he's a, too busy. Like, he was in a political thriller. Like, movies about like bringing in movies about like curling. No political in, thriller. If you really wasn't want, wasn't he in Passchendaele? I think the Crypt Creeper Nation is going to really be really be real hot on our. What's Passchendaele? What on earth are you talking about? <laughs> Passchendaele was a big budget. Um, oh, I know. It, it, was, it was a battle in World War One, but it was a it was it was a big deal for Canada. But Paul Gross was in it, and it was a big budget, like Saving Private Ryan esque. Did it make money? Deal. I Did don't know, but I'm going. I'm going to guess no. <laughs> Even in Canada, there are lots of people there. <laughs> this is riveting podcasting we're doing. Here. <laughs> <coughs> well, you know what? If you don't want to podcast with me, I'll just crawl back in your armpit and keep to myself. Um, uh, I think it's safe to say that we are both sort of older, shall we say, North Side millennials. And we are we have entered I'm a that age millennial. where you realize that uh, almost everything is pretty squarely aimed at your own sense of nostalgia. And you're like, this is great. All this stuff that I remember from when I was a kid is being packaged and sold right back to me. Surge Dunkaroos. Uh, and, and on the one hand, that's great. On the other hand, it does give you some sense of why, like, our parents were all all bent out of shape when. uh they remade Shaft with Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose. I don't know. To me, I feel more like I don't particularly like to be pandered to, or at least it like it like sticks in my craw. So I, I, I feel that. I just I think it's interesting. Um, you have do you ever have those moments where you like realize that you have gotten older suddenly? Yeah, although I think I think some of that is, some of that's pop culture. Um, but I think that pop culture is a sort of uh, very superficial way to understand that the things that make me realize I'm getting old or where you where you're like, good grief, I'm becoming an old crab. Go to a music festival or something. And you're like, what's with all this littering? Who are these children? <laughs> I've definitely had those. I remember when I was a kid um, thinking about being like, I would say like I was probably like mm, six or seven years old. And I remember being very upset about the concept of like growing old, just kind of like the, you know, sort of an existential woe is me kind of feeling about getting older and like finding your place in the world and that sort of thing. And I remember talking to mom about it and she was like, don't worry about it. You get old so slowly. It just happens before you know it. But I feel like, and I agree with that. She was right. But I feel like I have these sort of these moments and usually they don't have anything to do with pop culture. Usually they're to do with like the fun stuff, at least very early on was 
when you feel like you're in a situation where if you were a kid, you would have had to like call your parent or like needed an adult or help. And then you just find yourself doing it. Like, I remember, I remember like, I'm going to work the sharp knife now. (laughs) No, I remember like mom and dad just try to stop me from using the good scissors. I remember like my car tires were shot and I had to like pick out new car tires and pay for them myself. And I was like, huh, I'm older now. That's exciting. I don't think that I've ever fully stopped thinking that it was really cool that I knew how to drive. (laughs) Every time you get in the car, you're just filled with amazement. Like, well, let's see if I can pull this off. And it turns out I can. (laughs) No, it's more like I'll be driving the car and I'll be like, I'll, I'll be driving around and I'll be like, nobody's cooler than me. I'm so cool driving my car. It's great. All right. We should save it. We should do the song. Wait, aren't you supposed to have a pun to transition us? Oh, was there a pun? I didn't know that there was a pun at this point. Yeah. Well, okay, hold on. You have to give me a second while I think about this. Just say, you know, I know I know we tend to deal in cheap puns here on Crypt Creepers, keeping with tradition. But I'd like everyone to know that that I was a letterman back in high school. It was casket ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so terrible. <laughs> oh my god. Bum 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 This week we're discussing only sin deep. Sylvia Vane Only is a trigger happy. deep. Sorry, go ahead. Sylvia Vane is a trigger happy streetwalker with dreams of the rich life. After a botched robbery leaves an Eddie Murphy and the Golden Child cosplaying pimp dead, she finds herself in a local pawn shop with jewelry so hot it could fry an egg. The pawnbroker is not interested in the stolen jewelry, but he offers her ten thousand bucks for her to pawn her beauty. With a four month pawn ticket, Sylvia embarks on an eighties montage shopping spree and soon finds herself at the apartment party of Ronnie Price, infamous playboy. It's love at first leer, and soon it's four months later. Sylvia is the lover of a rich man. She begins to notice that her face begins to age at an accelerated rate. Her doctor is of no help, and she winds up back at the pawnbroker's. He offers to sell her her beauty back for 100000 bucks. Her face is rapidly aging, and she frantically ransacks her beau's apartment for jewelry and cash. Ronnie returns home early from a business trip, and not recognizing his much-aged girlfriend, attempts to call the cops. Sylvia, showing usual good judgment, guns him down and flees the scene. Arriving at the pawn shop, she discovers that the pawnbroker has used her beauty to revitalize the erstwhile decayed corpse of his dead wife. Demanding that he return her beauty, he reveals to her that the murder of Ronnie is on the front page of the newspaper and she is the prime suspect. Restoring her face would make her instantly recognizable and guarantee her a one-way trip to the electric chair. She is distraught and rushes out into the street, clutching the plaster mask which houses her beauty. She bumps into a friend from her streetwalking days and drops the mask, shattering the mask and losing her beauty forever. The end. So this is a this is an important episode for us because we finally have an A-lister to, to look at. Um, and that's uh, Leah Thompson as Sylvia Vane, our, our, our main character here. So 
She made this after she made Back to the Future Part 1 and mm-hmm. uh, Howard the Duck. It was kind of that period of time. <laughs> and, a modern cinema classic. Um, and uh, as well as her, her role as Amanda in Some Kind of Wonderful, where she actually met her husband, who is Howard Deutsch, who is the director of this as well. It's sort of weird that this is so the two episodes we've done this far. So, t- you know, this is our fourth episode, two episodes that we've done this far that have um, uh, female led stories. Both were women who were married to the directors as those women. Isn't that weird? Because we had and um, our and our gold diggers in the context of the story. Weird. So like Robert Zemeckis and uh, Mary Ellen Trainer and all through the house had this exact same setup. It's sort of strange. It's a little strange. Right. It's, it's it's what I like to call the classic Temple of Doom. Um. So of course, uh, Howard Deutsch is good buddies with um, John Hughes. He directed Pretty in Pink, Some Kind of Wonderful, and The Great Outdoors. Um. And uh, kind of important for you and me, Thomas, he also was the director behind Billy Joel's uh, music video for Keeping the Faith. That's the only good thing you've mentioned so far. (laughs) I like some kind of wonderful. And The Great Outdoors is okay. I don't know that I've seen either of those movies. So basically, you just disapprove of Pretty in Pink. I do agree with you on that. I mean, it's it is not a great movie. It's, it's not good, folks. It's bad. It's bad. It's very bad. But I kind of so I know and and um, we're, this is sort of like a, an all through the house uh, home game because the writer of this, Fred Decker, also wrote all through the house. So mm-hmm. we kind of have like a, a remix here. But I do think that uh, Leah Thompson actually does kind of a great job in this, to be honest with you. So. And I think it makes sense why Deutsch would pick her because they met while they were um, filming some kind of wonderful, which, as you recall, is sort of like pretty in pink, but fixed. Um, the the man is sort of the Molly Ringwald figure. And then there are two women. And Leah Thompson is the rich girl in this story. And at the She's end, the rich girl. at the end, she realizes that she like needs to be with people who are you know, who are actually true friends to her and not people who have been, like, obsessed with her for kind of no reason her whole life. And she releases the man, and he goes to, um... Oh, man, I wish I could remember her name now. It's like, uh... Oh, and he goes and, and uh, dates his friend, improbably named Watt, and that everything ends happily. But I kind of feel like that, um... This character of Sylvia is... Like what would happen to Amanda from some kind of wonderful if her life took a very dark turn. So I think it makes sense. Hooking and casual gun violence. It also needs to be noted that the person who plays um, the pimp is named G. Smokey Campbell. Yeah. Smitty the pimp. I like that. Of course, Leah Thompson's character is named Sylvia Vane and her her rich playboy boyfriend is named Ronnie Price. I oh, yeah. wonder what they're going for there. Uh, they even kind of call it out in the, in the yes, episode. Yes, in the, in the episode, yes. Vain like weather. Price like everyone's got theirs. Whoa. Oh, man. So I think I liked this one way more than you did. Yeah, I thought this... Um, there, I, I, I have... I think there's interesting stuff to talk about here, but I do have some... Uh, I think this, this can be criticized on a number of levels. Number one, like from the beginning... Everything, all the episodes up to this point have looked very different, but they're interesting and kind of cinematic. This just looks like a normal episode of 80s TV. 
I uh, thought it if, looked if if you want to be like, hey, where did the money run out? It ran out right here. Well, I think that the money was just allocated differently. And by differently, yeah, I yeah. mean they had to pay for granted not great old age makeup. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I don't just to say this this looks cheap and not cinematic in in a way that most of the that, that everything we've seen up to this point has looked actually pretty good. Even um uh Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone, which I think is sort of less glossy and and but the production uh, values right it still looks good and it still has sort of a distinct cinematic point of view whereas this i mean this kind of looks like a cheap episode of law and order like yeah i mean i think to me it looks like an 80s music video like i can imagine like it, it has lots of like billowing sheer white curtains and sort of like black interiors and and nondescript like what city are they in we don't even really know i mean i mean new york surely could be L.A. I feel like I mean, but but I feel like th- there's lots of jackets and coldness uh, uh, on the streetwalkers. So I think it's I think it's New York. And I also think that Leah Thompson's bananas accent is supposed to be kind of New york <laughs> Yeah, no, she definitely has like a, a, a tough Bronx accent in this. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think she does a good job with it. Like she I, I am you can tell that she is. Kind like a big star, or that she will be. She's like a charis. She has charismatic presence. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I don't think that she does a bad job. I think that I think that the way it's shot looks look, looks cheap and expected. I think the story is kind of muddled and confused in terms of the point it's trying to make. And I also think it is not especially scary for being overtly supernatural. Like it doesn't really it kind doesn't of our really, first doesn't really supernatural go anywhere. Kind of I, I, if you if you think a man with a cat gland that keeps him from dying is is is, is mm. science science fiction, I know yeah. what you mean. Though this is the first this is the first one with like hardcore just straight up magic. Yeah, it's like magic. It's magic, and it's also um, uh, yeah, it's it's super it's super it's curses and supernatural things. Like everything else up until this point, you have like people who are killers or mad science. This is magic. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think this is the first yeah. kind of truly supernatural uh, is, episode is, we've got. I agree, which is too bad because I don't think that this is a particularly effective story about like the price of vanity. We don't do anything especially interesting with the revitalized corpse, um, who who I think looks like the Crypt Keeper, uh, the Crypt Keeper himself doing perhaps a cameo in his own episode when she's Roddy. Um, but, you know, it doesn't wake up. We don't do anything fun where, like, you steal somebody else's beauty. Like, she doesn't try to get a different face or something. I mean, right, like, when you see the creepy pawnbroker, who I also think is kind of miscast. He just looks like a normal, like, like weird, creepy. <laughs> no, I mean, like, maybe this is, like, maybe maybe I wouldn't like this as much. But, like, for being, like, the you know, the strange, like, deal with the devil, supernatural kind of guy, you're expecting somebody who sort of looks like um, the... Uh, the character from the Rick and Morty episode that, that that makes fun of this trope, like like he has to be sort of di- like literally diabolical appearing, um, sort of a something wicked this way comes sort of look. What I'm saying is I want a top hat, an old fashioned vest, <laughs> maybe like a Van Dyke or something. I don't know. Um, but no, but just to say that when you see him saying soon we will be together to that to that desiccated corpse, I was like fully like. We're going to bring that, that thing is going to come back to life. His wife is going to be like a zombie zombie wife now, but it doesn't. I... there's no payoff there. It's just kind of I mean, it, 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 it just is kind of uh, it lands so, like a wet fart. 
So, I mean, maybe it's just because anything anything that you watch and like note closely um becomes becomes interesting to you. But I kind of felt like there were some interesting interesting switcheroos. Like I would never I would never uh charge Tales from the Crypt for for being feminist or woke because it is not for the most part at least. There might sure. there might be an episode here or there. But like it's not, right? It's it's kind of uh it's kind of broad broad strokes archetypes jostling around in in like horrific situations for the most part. And that's not it's it's not terribly political usually. It, it it's also the product of a reactionary time using source material from another reactionary time. That's true. It's interesting. The 80s on the 50s. So so basically kind of the 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 storyline here I would say you have you have vanity as like kind of a central tentpole and then you also have gold digging and like the kind of the the, the um the middle space between those two tentpoles is the story and I would agree that it does get kind of muddled but I think there's some interesting stuff going on here Certainly I I don't think it's a very good story, but I do think there are some interesting aspects. I think that Sylvia Vane um, really is sort of an inversion of the hooker with a heart of gold uh, trope. She doesn't. It's it, it's sort of this is sort of like reverse pretty woman with violence and magic. Um, she doesn't. She's not saved from being a being a streetwalker by by her rich boyfriend, and she doesn't like behave in a moral way and is rewarded by the world for that. Um, she decides that she wants the good life. And so she decides to um, rob a man who we saw physically threaten her earlier in the episode. Um, And when the and and in fact, uh, sort of decides to stop being a hooker then and there um, uh, when the pawnbroker says something like, uh, you know, you have something more valuable. She's like, I don't do that anymore, honey, or something like that, you know. So she 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 has agency and sort of um, uh, makes decisions um, uh, for herself. She. Uh, instead of being a passive figure, right? And I think I mean, like, and I think it's it's interesting because it's so much. I mean, it's so much deeper. Like the minute she pulls out the gun and and kills uh, Smitty, her the, the mm-hmm. pimp who's threatening her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In if this was a Frank Miller comic, then it would be like, oh, we're supposed to feel real good about this. This is what this is what this is supposed to be about. And I don't. Yes. I don't really think that that is that's not the point. I don't think that we're ever supposed to think that what she's doing is is right. But I do think that what you have is kind of under the gold digging um, piece of this. I think that this is very much a a story about transactions and money Um, and the and what you have to do to kind of. Like so, so the whole point is that Sylvia um, kills Smitty, steals his jewelry, can't because she needs money. And why does she need money? Because she needs a makeover. Because she yeah. wants, she's got uh, Ronnie Price in her crosshairs, and she wants to be able to go to his party and like be kind of become his kept woman, right? Mm-hmm. But she can't just do that because she's a sex worker and and a cheap one at that. Well, right, right, right. It, yeah, it's sort of on the yeah the the lower end sex workers. Right. Less privileged. Exactly. So, you know, you have kind of this, I I kind of thought about, you know, you have the situation where she has to dress the part and she has to, and she needs to come from a place where it seems like she doesn't actually need Ronnie for him to let her into, into his space. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. 
after she has the makeover, um, she, when she goes to the party, the first thing that and she walks in, you can kind of tell she's like a little bit nervous. Like, are, are they going to let are they going to let her in? Then well, this the is the f- only guy who's like house party has a bouncer. But the bouncer's like, welcome to the party. So she's clearly Which is also weird. It's well, so weird. Well, right. But it's cl- it's like your sign as the audience. Right. in a 20 minute thing being like she's made it. She's passed. She's passed the first test. Right. Sure. And yeah. and she's in. So I think that, you know, and Ronnie Price, the first time he talks to her, he's he makes a pun on his name and he's like, Ronnie Price is in everyone has one. So you kind of, I think, get this this um, juxtaposition of when she's on the street, she's basically soliciting people. Right. She's saying, like, mm-hmm. hey, do you want to date? That kind of right. thing. And in this, he also treats her as if her uh, like he can buy sex from her right off the bat even though she's of his class. So I think it's it's drawing very direct parallels between if if you decide like this is just a different kind of sex work. It's not it's not more noble, it's not more honorable, it just is. And yeah. I think we can go I think we can confidently say that this that tales from the crypt in general while potentially being a little bit like um, permissive towards the concept of sex work does not think it is an honorable uh, trade. It's not. It's not as woke as all that, right? Right. And, and I think. And while I think it's interesting that she is sort of protagonized, and I'd be interested. I, I wonder what the original. This is the first of one I we've done so far where I'm like, I kind of wonder what the original story actually is. Because can you imagine this same story in the '50s? I mean, that's you know, like we're 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 being amazed in this sort of funny American psycho-esque uh, 80s Manhattan sort of uh, thing. But, you know, in in the 1950s, this probably would have been an even bigger deal that she is sort of so protagonized and given such agency. Um, at the same time, let us recall, though, that she is a bad person who is taught a lesson here. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you know, so and, and it's and it's unclear to me what lesson she is being taught. Well, OK, so like the, at the, crypt, very... the crypt keeper in the intro even says something like it's got a message, too. And I'm like, Crypt Creeper, I don't know what the message actually is. <laughs> so I think I I I, I think there I know are... you're watching the story with me now, Crypt Creeper, but Crypt Keeper, <laughs> but I've watched it a couple times and it's 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 freaking impenetrable to there, me. Hey, hey Crypt Keeper, are you doing a podcast? Do you watch each of these episodes at least thrice? Because I do. <laughs> Maybe I should be writing your patter, Keeper. Um so I mean, like, I think that we can take it at face value that at least part of this is a cautionary tale about beauty being something that is fleeting and it's it's not a good idea to sort of hang hang all of your worth and your your ability to econ- to like be remain economically stable strictly on your beauty like right that's that's the name of the episode it's a play uh, on beauty is only sure, skin deep sure sure but but she doesn't we're not we're, we're told that she's vain she like checks herself out in the mirror a handful of times um, she is only valued for her beauty by the external world. So maybe she's, so it would seem that she is just rationally responding to her environment. And she, you know, needs, she needs money. She has, a, she attempts to rob this pimp and only shoots him in a super realistic, God, it's the worst, most fake shooting I've seen in, a, in, in, in media in a long time. Don't you think uh, that's when she, when she kills Ronnie? 
no, no, no. When she kills Ronnie, that one's good. But when she kills Smitty, it look it's so fake. It looks so bad. <laughs> they don't. They're not. They don't even put blanks in the gun. She just kind of like holds it and like and, and kind of jumps her wrist. It's so it's bad. It's true. It's true. I did have it's to. I did have to like go back and I'm like, wait, did she sh- actually shoot Smitty? But yeah. but but you know right, Smitty threatens her, tries to do the kind of like you know regressive pimp thing, and then. She decides she's going to rob him, so she pulls her gun out um, that she had previously threatened to shoot his dick off with if he touched her. And um, and he's in the process of handing over his jewelry and then attempts to grab her to fight her, and she shoots him. Almost not like fully by accident, but I don't think she was planning on on, on just straight up murdering this guy. Um, uh, but anyway, so then, you know, right, the jewelry's hot and the pawnbroker won't take it. But he offers to buy her beauty, which you're like, okay, weirdo. So her mistake was trust that was not believing that 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 this insane magic uh, pawnbroker would uh, attempt to it would would st- literally steal her beauty and then make her age in such a rapid fashion that it makes it look like her face is melting. Like people make reference to the fact that she's getting ugly, but she certainly does not appear attractive. But she looks disfigured. She looks like she survived a house fire. It's not. She this looks, isn't. You know. You know this know. isn't. This isn't this is this is this isn't a story where it's like she you know if you want to do something with vanity it's not like she, she obsesses over this scar or blemish on her face and it leads her to madness and suicide because she's so vain. This is a woman who's 21 who doesn't want to look like her face is melting cuz she cuz she needed some quick cash and a guy offered to buy her beauty for $10,000 and then when she goes back with the money to redeem it he tries to extort her for more money um leading to her accidentally mur- or not accidentally leading to her in a bizarre turn of events, murdering her boyfriend. <laughs> so is she being punished for murdering her boyfriend? But she's already being no. punished before she does that. Yes. So, th- like, where, where, so like, where's the moral? Maybe. What, what did maybe she do? What, sh- what should she have done differently? I don't think that there is a winnable situation in this. I think that the entire point is. I think that. Uh, you know, they're kind of they go so out of their way to talk about how, you know, how beautiful she is. And like the 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 Smitty threatens her and says, you're real pretty girl, but that can get real out ugly out here on the mean streets. I mean, he he threatens to disfigure her. Right. Yeah. Um, and we also know everybody talks about her beauty. She talks about her beauty constantly. But we also know that that's like not going to be with her forever when she says this face is my meal ticket. You, you feel you feel bad about that. You feel sorry for her. you're like that's not like a long term solution. Like that's a well, but, bad that's a bad way to go. But but, so, but I think she I think she realizes that right? Isn't that why she's hooking up with Ronnie Price? Isn't the idea that she wants to she's going to marry no, this dude because, and be a trophy wife? You don't well, think so? But but she's, she has to he's make, like super in love with her. But we're shown that she's got to maintain her beauty. No 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 no. So she's in a, so she's in this world where it tells her that the only thing she has to offer is her beauty, right? right? Right. And then we see the other side of it when she gets old where like that that terrible cop like like basically is like, "Hey hag face, is it alpo time?" So, I think that we're supposed to see this as um as sort of an, an allegory of the world has put her in this place where she has to where she's only valued for her beauty and we know that that's going to go away eventually in her case very quickly. And the world is just going to spit her out. Similarly to her plan to like kind of be with this playboy. I mean, do you think he is is actually in love with her or do you think that he thinks that she looks good and likes having her around? 
Do you think that I, I kind of thought that the concept of like stealing her beauty, he's also doing the same thing, right? He's going to keep I mean, her I mean, around he, he does as say long as she's, she's he does say she's the girl of his dreams that that's plugged twice. I mean, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. But then but, just, but then like, like when she becomes he, he's not he's not explicitly shitty like the uh, like the husband and all through the house. You know, it's not like he he's not he, he's not I don't feel like he signaled as being like a bad guy. I think he signaled aside as, from his aside from I the terrible dialogue at his house party, though she also like I, I would also say the dialogue in this is also bad, sort of generally. <laughs> it's real stagey. You don't think so? I mean, I mean, yes, but like I think that we're to understand, like they call him a playboy. He tells her that he knows that she has a price. You get the sense that she's like he's not going to marry her. She's just going to kind of like hang around until he finds somebody else to replace her with. I mean, honestly, she'll be lucky if it's when she's no longer beauty, beautiful. So I kind of thought that was like a concept of no matter what, even if she doesn't go to that guy and he like steals her beauty, she like sells her beauty to him, that you have all of these men who are willing to put a price on her beauty and and gain from it and take it from her until they don't until she isn't anymore. And then they're going to throw her out. So. I saw this story as being very much like um, Marxist theory of character masks, which are like prescribed social roles that serve to conceal the contradictions of of the social order. Right. So and that's why you have this mask idea. That's why her beauty is stolen as a mask. It's something that she puts that she is wearing. Right. Which tells her that she has a certain place in society. But it's completely false, right? That has nothing to do with that. You know, she herself has no actual value. Like her, like people tell her she's dumb all the time. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they're not interested in anything she has to say, right? Mm-hmm. But she has this beauty that that she can trade on in a social world. But just as Marxist theory states. These these laws and rules, when you put on these masks, contradict and don't make sense. So even though she is very beautiful, she doesn't actually have any power unless she turns her power over to another, like another person to be her meal ticket. Right. So I thought this was actually kind of cool. The idea of like your beauty being something that's like taken off and then you actually really see how the world values you. And the answer is not at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it, it still makes me feel weird and bad that she is the one who was punished for this. Well, but I think that's realistic. Like, I think that is that is what's going to happen to her. Like, I think she returns to base and even the base that she started at, which is, you know, kind of the end when um, the other sex worker, Raven, bumps into her and breaks her mask and is basically like, you old, ugly woman, like terrible, yeah. terrible, says yeah. terrible things to her. I think that, um, you know, kind of on the surface, it's... It's maybe a little bit of like a, a message of like stay in your lane. She should have never tried. She should have always right, stayed yeah. where she was. But I also think I also think it's it's to show the horror that she's truly unmoored from either of the identities, either of the masks that she could wear when sure. she was beautiful, either being like a low rent sex worker or being a high class gold digger, right? She can't she cannot do either of those things because the society only values her for her beauty and that is gone now. So she can't she can't even follow any of the rules that previously were treating her, you know, somewhat okay. 
allowing her to be threatened by men in funny leather hats. Mm-hmm. Again, I, 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 I don't, I don't disagree with what you say. It still doesn't make me like the story. Like this, that, that just seems so. It seems bleak or like very contrived to just hurt her. I, I, and certainly that doesn't. That's 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 obviously not your fault. No, um, but, but I but, think. I mean, you know, like and 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 the Raven help Raven being the one who bumps into her and breaks her mask also has, is also like also it seems a little bit. It's a little bit ambiguous from like why did why did they decide to do that? Is that like the crabs in the bucket? Like no matter how you try to improve yourself, you'll be dragged down by the other people, and that feels real reactionary and bad to me too. You know, like how 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 dare you try to trade on your advantages um, to to try and better your station, your class, and uh, you know, basic basically you des- you deserve to be robbed of your identity. And, uh, you know, the, the, the only thing we've ever told told you is valuable and good for you also is something that you need to feel bad about liking. Yeah, it, it's, well, it's, it's so it's so bleak. It's, and in, and in kind of like a like a mean way. But ultimately, I think that the entire point is that by by living in a world that would allow her to six that that chooses to allow people who put a put a premium on their own physical appearance and and rewarding them for that early on in their lives then and then that person deciding that they're going to that that's going to be their whole thing that's a false economy you should not do that i think that is the message being vain is not a good idea even if the societal pressures around you tell you that that's all you're worth yeah yeah I mean, yeah. I think that's the ultimate message of this story. Right, right. No, I, I, I think you're right. Um, I'm so, but the only problem, but that also doesn't that undermine the the interesting thing about her, which is that she actually has agency. Well, right. Like, well, and it, I, seems, it just seems like it just makes me feel bad because it's like fuck you for trying. Like, okay. Well, yikes. But she does have agency, right? She does, but sh- that's not what she's trading on. Like, she's actually, she actually, when the um. When the guys with the the police officer and the shop owner are like talking about how she's stupid and like you know kind of like talking about the news story and being like what right. a yeah, dummy yeah. can yes. you believe it you're like yeah but this woman also like kind of like in in four in like four months in a day managed to scramble her way to like a economic a place of economic security great that's yeah. bananas economic security. But still, like, she seems yeah. to be doing pretty okay. And you have these two incredibly flawed people who are saying this, right? You have a guy who's probably like a necrophiliac, right? Right, yeah. And then you have and then you have a cop who's, like, coming into this guy's shop to shoot the shit and drink boozy coffee on his shift, right? He's not no, like... No, I know, no, yeah. It's, it's, he's it's, not, he's not great. So I, I, I think... I think that we're supposed to I think we're not supposed to applaud the apparent misogyny of this. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that these guys like like typify the patriarchy, right? Like like this cop who's no prize is like Ugh, ugly, ugly, dumb broads. Keeping with the naming conventions, I, I've decided to name the police officer misogyny O'Karma. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it. it, it yeah, it 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 feels it feels bad. It feels actually though. It's like, uh, or not feels bad, but like, yeah, the patriarchy is shit. Um, it's no good. You're right, the, but um, I, but you know, I think that there are levels. Like depending on how the story is told, there are stories that seem really kind of okay with their misogyny, right? Yeah. Like 
And then there are stories that seem less okay with misogyny. And then there are stories that seem downright like against misogyny. Like that's the moral. I would say that this is probably in the we're not okay with it. You're not supposed to think these guys are awesome for saying these things about her. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. It is. It is. It it is unfortunate that that, that she is punished the most. But I I think you're right. I think it's supposed to be kind of like, I don't know, like bleak. There are no true good. There are no good guys, I guess. Uh, Right. Right. And it's um, I, I think I think that the ultimate story is your beauty does can be used for economic gain, but it's not a good idea for your soul and well-being to do that. Yeah, although I, I yes, though in a post-Sesta Fosta world and everything, though, like sex work is work. I mean, you know, it, right. It, it, we're still it's it's still it still is like weird victim blaming. Right. Like, again, it's like screw you for it. it, it no, it like is. Patri- patriarchy being like, screw you for trading in the only thing for trying to use to your advantage. The only thing we've ever said you're good for. Like, haha, that was all empty and fake, you dumb whore. Like, oh, my gosh. Like. I do wonder, I do wonder, like, so this is, these are big Hollywood stories with increasingly big Hollywood people. Mm -hmm. I do kind of wonder if there's a little bit of, like, uh, all about Eve actoriness in this story, like, being an aging actress. I wonder if there's some of that in there, too, where you have, you have the world, the world tells you that there's so much more to you. But your early successes are built so strongly on your own physical form that when it starts to deteriorate, you really see people's colors come out and they treat you terribly. Right. Yeah. I I do kind of wonder. So when she goes back, right, and she finds out that it's going to be more than, you know, $10,000 plus 14 percent to, you know, ransom her beauty back because she's a day late. Um she uh she's like ransacking the house is she trying to stage it like there was a robbery because she's like she's like she's like you know like throwing and breaking anything that isn't valuable on the ground right (laughs) and then i think she's trying to find money yeah i think she's like robbing him i think it's a full-on robbery so is she state but she like staging a robbery of the place where she's living you know surely it's like no 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 i think she's I think she's literally a robber, and then she's in. Then she's interrupted, and when he doesn't know who she is, she right, shoots right. him. I, th- I think that's the other. That's 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 something that I think is also maybe worthy of comment. It's not that he rejects her because because she, she, she's ugly. She is so aged that he doesn't even know who she is. And <laughs> granted, you know, right? This this becomes a thing where you're like trying to logically beg the question instead of like being like, "Hey, look, no, it's me. <laughs> it's me, Sylvia. I traded my beauty to a to a to a." To a voodoo, a shop, to a a voodoo shopkeep, shopkeeper, to a shopkeeper and, who thankfully is not an ethnic minority. Right. Otherwise, otherwise we'd have more to say about that. Right, right. You know, like, like I need a hundred thousand dollars to ransom my beauty back. I know this sounds crazy, but uh, you want to help me, or else maybe I'll just shoot you. But instead, she just says something. She says something like, um, "I forget." She says something like, "Don't you recognize me?" And he's like, "I am calling the police." And she pulls out her gun and just like blows him away in in gunfire that is much better than when she killed smitty and she uh, shoots also, him also a bunch has, like also in kind of has, slow motion he like has the like wild bunch she has like a full a full body squib on for this yeah because yes, like no. there's blood shooting out of him like crazy i feel every like time she shoots him, him no less than eight times i would agree i would agree she shoots him a whole bunch of times so it, the, there's also something really ugly there the cop describes that she stole every scrap of jewelry the guy bought for her and you're did like, she, and you're like, did well, she steal it from herself? Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> don't don't steal that. Don't steal that present I gave you from me. Well, maybe and maybe it's <laughs> so bad. I do. I, I, by which I mean the patriarchy, not necessarily the episode. Right. I I do kind of wonder, um, and maybe it's really kind of a also something about right. Like so, they all they do is tell her that she's valuable because she's beautiful, but all of the things that she earns because she is beautiful are considered lowly or stealing or robbing, right? Like maybe this, maybe this story is not so much like, don't be a gold digger because it's immoral. Maybe it's more like, don't be a gold digger because people will treat you terribly and you will, and that will make your life very, very hard. Yeah. Right. she She also did murder two people. Yes. Well, I think at the end of the day, the core tenant of uh, Tales from the Crypt is bad people will do bad things. And the, you know, the crypt keeper in the sky, karma, they will be punished for their crimes. So she does have to kill somebody. At this. Yes. She has to do some bad stuff. Otherwise, we, we might feel too sorry for her. Yep. So let, let, let's let's talk about the pawnbroker for a second. So. We find out that he like does magic and he does like weird hand passes and kind of has. Like, we find a bunch out that of... he has quite a selection of African masks and like yeah, quite he has a, a bunch selection of African masks and like a snake skeleton and stuff. He's got but, some good stuff back there. By uh, by quite a collection, I do mean three because yeah. you know they also ran out of budget. Yeah, well, you know, it's the it's the same way the calendar doesn't change despite it being four months, <laughs> but um, <laughs> or the way that the pawn shop is secured. Did you notice this when she comes back with the hundred thousand dollars? The uh, the hinges the, the 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 pawn shop is locked on the outside with like a master lock, like you'd lock up a shed on hinges that are on a hinge that's screwed to the outside of the door with exposed screws. So if you had a Phillips head screwdriver, you could like straight up break into this pawn shop, no problem. Just unscrew the hinge. Maybe maybe that's because they're not trying to keep people out. Maybe they're trying, trying to, keep to keep somebody in. in. Yeah, which which makes me wonder. So are we to understand that the uh? magician pawnbroker is uh is rejuvenating his wife's corpse for sexual like does he does he have sex with the corpse well i kind of thought it was a a a carl uh tansler situation do you know about carl tansler yeah isn't isn't he the guy who like mummified who like mummified his dead wife or girlfriend i think i listened to a dollop on this yes there is it's a wonderful dollop i'll give you in brief so yeah. Carl was 54 at this time, and he became obsessed with this young 22-year-old girl named Elena. And she sadly contracted tuberculosis and died. And Carl, after she after she ripened up in her tomb for about two years, decided to steal her body and, quote-unquote, preserve it by stuffing her, her um, like, chest cavity and, and anything anything with organs, right? with rags and then she encased her skin with plaster and wax and then sprayed a bunch of perfume and topical disinfectant on her skin fairly regularly because to keep away stinks yeah and he lived with her corpse like this for seven years Mm -hmm. and was probably uh a necrophilia of our necrophiliac, he was there there's kind of there's some question about it but like i'm gonna be real with you if you have a, if you're living with a corpse for seven years, you're probably having sex with that corpse. Just saying. <laughs> you, don't, um, you don't think they had like celibate hand holding only? You know, like uh, 
Yeah, I, I I don't think he was old, just old time old timey romance. I don't think he was just like Pecks lighting on the cheek, lighting up lighting up a uh, a candle crammed into a Chianti bottle and playing the violin for her. No, I don't. Um, somehow he was not when this was discovered by the authorities. Somehow he was not sent to prison or committed to an insane asylum. I don't. Mm. The the fact of that is beyond me. Um, but they did confiscate uh, Elena's body from him. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> you have showed that you cannot be responsible with this. We're gonna take it away. So just just as anyone does, um, when 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 their uh, their mummified corpse is confiscated, he uh, he bought a death mask of her because, of course, now this was like a giant deal, right? Like uh-huh. juicy as all get out. So there were death masks of her. He bought one, and is that, uh, is that like a thing that normally is for sale? No, but I bet, you know, like, they, um... <laughs> there are ways. You don't want to know about them, but there well, are ways. <laughs> I mean, what's really sad about this story is basically this woman, this like, this woman and her family suffered so much, and it didn't really get much better after the authorities took over. I so, you, like, yeah, yeah. This so was like, still, still very weird. Well, he was very weird, but also the town was really weird. So the town took Elena's body, like, the, the funeral home that had her, and, like, put her in their front window so people could see her. Carl did a good job. <laughs> he did. If he, there are photos, he didn't. It's uh, it's very. I'm just, these, I'm just imagining like these like a, like these professional morticians who like embalm people for a living are like not bad, not bad. <laughs> what rags in the body? Now that separates the men from the boys. <laughs> oh. Um. So. So I'm sure that they made a death mask of her at that point. So Carl got his grubby little hands on this and then just made um, a life-size effigy of her, which he lived with for another 14 years and died in the arms of. That sounds great. Good for him. And now, if you travel um, to the little town where all this took place, um, there are, like, tours of this, and it's kind of painted as, like, an ultimate tragic love story, which seems to be the wrong message to learn here. Yeah, we've learned nothing. Yeah, that sounds (laughs) terrible. That doesn't sound good. So basically, I think that's what's going on with the uh, the shop owner. I think that yeah. he's only to mirror the rest of this story, right? The uh-huh. only thing when his wife is dead, he right, is yeah. sad about that. The only thing that he can think to do is preserve her physical beauty. form, her beauty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that's the only thing she ever offered him, right? Creepy. He's a bad man. I mean, not just because of like his weird. His weird uh, beauty stealing uh, dark magic. The only thing I don't feel sorry for her for is when she realizes she's aging rapidly. Why didn't she like hot foot it over there and, and get her pawn ticket sorted out? She probably I, I, I assume she forgot about it. Remember, they have that great scene with the doctor <laughs> by great. I mean, surprisingly medically accurate scene with the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Would you would you like to speak on that a bit as a medical I, professional yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I do like where he's like, it's not cancer and then it's not any problem with your pituitary or acromegaly, which is OK. Acromegaly, right, is what Aunt Andre the Giant had. A lot of people have lesions on their pituitary that makes too much growth hormone and that can make your like can make like your jaw grow kind of big like again think about what andre the giant looks like is um, that how you open anything where you don't know what's wrong with the person you're like listen you don't have cancer pretty sure and also not andre the giant um i i i did i was surprised i wonder um i don't know the history here i'm surprised they didn't mention progeria like like premature aging you know like i, I feel like you see 
kids and stuff who have progeria on like uh is it oprah or like sarah jesse raphael or stuff like you know like like talk show circuit kind of standbys but then he says but i'm pretty sure it might be glandular then he tells her i'm a dermatologist which so like you know if he thinks it's her glands like her pituitary which he says he knows nothing about but he does mention it but he's just a dermatologist <laughs> Are you, would you like to, are, are you putting some dermatologists on blast? As no, 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 no. I'm just saying that like, it, it seems strange that, I don't know. It just seems, it, it's the same way as if it, it would be like, if he was like, I'm pretty sure it's not cancer or, or any other problems with cancer. And then later he's like, but I'm not a cancer doctor. So I think you need to see one of those. I'm not a cancer doctor, but I know what I like. It'd yeah. be like, it'd be like if you're, if someone says to you, well, I'm pretty sure it's not cancer. And you're like, well. You're a car hop at Sonic, so I probably am going to go to the doctor. And then he, then he does mention that she looks like she's aging an accelerated rate. And he says, have you come in contact with any toxins, gases, or radiation? Oh, that's right. And she remembers at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you like, oh, I get like the uh... rapid flashback. And then she's like, oh, right. <laughs> she should have been eating. She should have been eating her fish. Then she would have had like good memories doing Sudokus. Here's, keeping so her brain think, sharp. Do you think that the uh, pawnbroker would have? ransomed her beauty back if she came back with the 10,000 bucks? I kind of don't. But at the same yeah, time... Yeah, no, he seems like... like It seems bonkers he, and evil. Like, that's he not seems how like bonkers a, evil plans work. I'm kind of surprised her beauty is not used up. So you kind of get the sense that, like... Because, right, like, they have yeah. all these masks, and then the woman is, like, a decimated... Like, a like a dried-up corpse. Yeah, and she then looks like she's, the cryptkeeper. She looks like the cryptkeeper. She's a leathery Muppet. And yeah. then... Then later, she's like juicy and humany. Yeah, she, she's just a sleeping actress. You know, she is one hundred percent a dead like, actress. What is well, yes? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it's a living actress who's pretending to be dead. <laughs> nope, they, nope. The actress went full method on this. Oh my one. gosh! Oh my gosh! This is the snuff episode of Tales from the Crypt. They had a dead actress. They were like, well, waste not, want not. And they loaded her in that coffin. One of the grips had been preserving her for several years. Full of rags. Full of rags. So what do you think of what do you think of my Marxist character theory? I think um, I think I think it's interesting and I think it is um, uh, on some level accurate. And I think like um, in our in, in, in our hyper capitalistic world, especially the 1980s, um, I think it is accurate and perhaps too keen in what it what it acknowledges and recognizes uh such that it makes it makes me feel bad because it's so right and it makes me feel like she's trapped uh because the only thing she has of value is something that society will cast away like it's trash and and, and i understand that's part of the point with showing the contradiction in society um but uh, you know it doesn't make you feel good well, it's not supposed to. This is a creep show. Oh, yeah, sure. I guess. I guess. No, but see, I'm after the catharsis. I want it to be like, yay, yay, she shot her boyfriend, so of course she should be punished. <laughs> not, not, oh, no, this is uncovering the contradictions and, 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 and meanness of arch capitalism and the patriarchy. <laughs> I am sort of curious. So I do think it is a little weird. I mean, like, I don't like Ronnie, uh, Ronnie uh, Price, Price yeah. because of his creepiness but also because his name is Ronnie and that's just never good. Um, Great. Uh, unless you're a listener whose name is Ronnie and we love you, um, please please direct your your emails to us and we will uh, name check you on the show. You're a rich person. Go by Ronald. What's wrong with you? Go by Ron. So much better. <laughs> Ron Price. <laughs> Ron Price is my dad. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Well, so I, I do think it's sort of weird that they don't go out of their way to make to make Ronnie Price more of a jerk. Yeah, he, they, they do that thing um, that all uh, rich white people in the 80s do where um, after the time jump, like right there at the party and he, she says something like, you know, I'm the girl of your dreams. And it's like four months later and she's. She's sitting in a bathtub. She's which comfortably is, which is situated in, in, in a bubble ba- bath. In the ba- with, with her back facing her boyfriend, who is in the middle of the room. And I think he's wearing a robe, but maybe he's just wearing a tuxedo. I like to imagine it's exactly like American <laughs> maybe Psycho. he's wearing a robe, but maybe he's wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> look, look, neither of us remember absolutely. So it I could mean, go either way. when you said and he's that, there, it rings he's, so true. He's there with like a bottle of champagne, which looks quite a bit like the vampire wine bottle from Lost Boys, like topping up the very fine, <laughs> the, uh, you know, that's very a very fi- fine wine that you absolutely are drinking. Exactly. Yeah. And he puts the necklace on her and she says something like, um, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And he's like, no, you're gorgeous. It's just expensive jewelry. It's just, <laughs> you know, oh! it's just incredibly expensive jewelry. Yeah. There's nothing there's nothing more 80s or or or, or sexual, apparently, and high class than a, than a good bubble bath with some booze. Yeah, I mean, if someone if someone's going to creep up behind you and uh, and suddenly slap a necklace across you, you should probably be in a bubble bath. Yeah, you're completely nude while he wears a tuxedo. <laughs> he wears a tuxedo. I mean, I'm just saying power dynamics. Yeah, the um, I I can't believe we haven't I, I can't believe we made it this far. And we haven't talked about how great the music is in this episode. It kind of has that like synthesizer kind of beats, you know, and it has a kind of kind of music. Um, probably what made me think of Law and Order a little bit. But when she goes to seduce Ronnie, it has this awesome like cougar screams and whip cracks like like mixed into it. Wow. It's so great. It's so great. <laughs> Did you not love that? I maybe I'm the only maybe the only one who loves Tales from the Crypt music. No, and actually the music changes too when she decides she wants to go from um, from blowing Smitty off to deciding she's going to seduce him and then steal all his jewelry, which, if you think about it, has weird parallels with everything else. The other one is yeah. like, right? She seduces him and then steals all his jewelry. Yeah. Um, with uh, with Ronnie, Ronnie, Ron- um, Ronald. Please, let's call him Ronald Price. And that's actually where I I first got the like the, I was like, oh, this is about like personas and like taking on taking deciding that you need to get somewhere in life so you're gonna like fake it till you make it by pretending Uh to be things you aren't um so i I think that the music kind of does a good job of that right like Mm -hmm. she's like she's on the hunt she's the prowler man hunt turn it around man hunt we all got a dick what i mean she also says a great another um uh, american psycho-esque line where she says you have a lovely apartment (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lovely apartment. Yeah. So there actually is another episode which we will get to in season two with Demi Moore that's very, mm-hmm. very similar to this episode. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like they know it's not a hole in one. I would say that this episode in general introduces interesting themes. I think that the general message of it is correct and sad. Um but and I, and I think that the the people who are in it do the best that they can, given sort of the limitations uh, and mixed messages in the story itself. But I'm you know, I think that it still it still makes sense with the Crypt Keeper canon in that they 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 love gold diggers and they love exploring what that means for the gold diggers. Mm hmm. 
yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, um, I keep tripping over my own personal objections to like wanting it to be have a somewhat more positive message for Sylvia. Um, but, but I was, um, I was pleasantly surprised on rewatches to kind of uncover that there was a little bit more going on here than just, uh, just something like, don't be a gold digger or a sex worker or else they're going to steal your beauty and then you die. Yeah, no, I think that there is, I think it is more nuanced. And I also was similarly relieved. I was like, oh, okay. That, I mean, that, this, has, this has some interesting things going on. Definitely, I would say that the, there seems to be like kind of a lot of random things that just sort of seem to be upsetting set pieces. I think that the friend part where the friend breaks the the mask, yeah. like she runs in the friend and breaks the mask. I, I do stand by my statement that it's it's about like it's about the fact that she can't she can't even return. Yeah, she, yeah, she can't even go home. Yeah. She can't even go home. Like she's just totally stuck. Although mm-hmm. I would have been like I would have been like, yeah, give me my beauty back. I am I am rich now. I'm going to move anywhere I want to go. But, but like, we already we already learned from from Officer Okarma that she well, the moment her mug is seen, uh, she's going to go right to the electric chair, making this three th- this tales from the crypt three out of four references to death by electrocution so far <laughs> it's like it's like they oh, just always had an electric chair on a dolly <laughs> ready to roll into the set <laughs> they're like they're like well this electric chair is super glued to this dolly which means that it's very convenient we the can t- use the t- it anytime we want the tales from the crypt writer room they're just like and we're gonna spitball how do they die electrocution we'll change it later just spitball just electrocution placeholder death <laughs> Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, well, no, what she would have done is she would have, she would have carefully wrapped her death mask in an attache case and then flown to the, flown to the Bahamas, right. restored her beauty and lived like Roman Polanski for the rest of her life. Uh, yeah. She would have had to find someone who knows how to reverse that. Not that that would not be true. That, that would you be. You don't think she just has to slap that on her mug? I mean, I don't. Okay. So. Let's let's talk about the mask for a second. The masks kind of bothered me. Number one, because they don't really look like anybody, but I get that's budgetary or whatever. Number two, how cool would it be to steal somebody else's? Like, if you take somebody else's mask, do you look like them? That would Probably have been not. great. That, that's that's just me. That would have been her. no. I thought the same thing. I was like, well, if she can't have her own face back, why doesn't she get somebody else's face, and then she can she can live any kind of life she wanted? I agree. I think that that would have been an interesting subversion of what we were talking about you know what they do look like though Mm. and i'm sure that this is what they are have you ever watched the uh have you ever watched the show face off where they make special effects oh yeah 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 Yeah. they look like they look like the um like when they first start molding they take the model that they're assigned like like a, a white plaster version of their face and they mold on so that like you know like the nose pieces and the cowls will fit them oh, properly. Sure. Yeah, they yeah. look just like those. And and actually, I was thinking about this. So right, we we don't really see him making the mask. We see her like sitting down, being like saying something like, you know, are you sure you want to give me money, you crazy old man? She doesn't say it like wearing that, a like, shower bonnet. Right, right. And then they then it's like trouble with angels, where you can see he's like doing hand passes over this uh, plaster, and then he's like dripping it on her from like it looks like 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 two feet above her head. So. Whatever, it seems to work out. But so he makes plaster on the outside. So these masks are then reverse, like poured into the mold that's made from that, right? Yeah. 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 You make you make the molds negative and then you make. Uh, right. So so yeah. really it's so you can steal somebody's beauty with a magic negative mold. Um, I also felt like so the um, we see that, right, like the 
he has he has like a half dozen of these masks in a case kind of and we see in, in one like of his back. earlier victims at the beginning right oh yeah true 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 um i i would also think it's it's funny and worth pointing out that <laughs> when these people experience their premature aging um both sylvia and the unnamed older woman um or old woman in the beginning they they both are wearing like bl- all, like black clothes and black like funerary i guess like a like a hat with a brim with a veil <laughs> I mean, Jack Penny was impossibly big, is what I, I'm I guess. Maybe I'm just saying that it's it, it's kind of weird to me that Sylvia just happens to have one of these things. I mean, she's only been fancy for like four months. Did they have a lot of funerals to go to with, uh, maybe, with Ronald? Maybe it's like when you turn 18 and Gillette somehow knows to send you a razor. Maybe once you become a hag face, they're just like, "Yep, and here's your here's your funereal beekeeping hat." <laughs> No, exactly. exactly. But anyway, so the beauty seems to like go away, right? Because we see that the wife is a desiccated corpse and then we see that she's young young and beautiful. and She must dry up. Rich and ripe. Right. From all the humping that her necrophiliac husband does on her. Right. So are these masks, does he have six sort of current active ones? Has he done this six times? Wouldn't do, do the why don't the masks like fall apart when the beauty is like used up? All used or can up. Can you reuse them? You know, like I don't know. It that that piece of it is. I just is, want I just want a movie that I, movie. I just want twenty five minutes of episode that's just about these masks. I would agree. I do just kind get of real feel, deep in there. I kind of feel like you, you know you want to like that could have been its own thing. They could have had like a ta- uh, a a Carl Tangsler episode about like this guy. I don't know if they could get away with the necrophilia, but they, <laughs> they, they might creepy. have had to. They might have like like Carl had to imply the necrophilia. <laughs> It's just this very, very chaste. Yeah. The way that they always did it with Carl is they were like, I mean, he had like tubes around his house and then they would like meaningfully look at you. Whoa. Whoa. Yep. Yep. So Mary, you want to, you want to rate this episode? Yes. Um, so I, I, this episode it brings up interesting themes. It's not like the best, I would say just on like a lot of levels, like the story's a little muddled and the effects aren't great. And I, I think what it does best is it sort of trades on on truly horrifying and I think somewhat true concepts. Um, so I, I do think it's worth a little bit of something. So I said it was 2.5 out of 5 makeover montage scenes. I, uh, I think that I just... Uh... I, I think it's good. I think this is good fuel for conversation and I think it makes some interesting points. But the just sort of general unpleasantness and... Um, disappointment i had production wise make puts me a little bit lower uh i give it i give it one out of five uh impulsive and ill-advised shootings oh i like it um i like that you're like this story is just too coarse for me no 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 not even no no i i i know I, I just i just feel like i feel like it's like I don't like that others just kind of like and fuck her if we even try. like, but it's not like, um, I mean, just like my own opinion. It's not like pleasing. It's not like dark in a pleasing way. It's just sort of like dark in a way where, where like, um, I, I don't know. What do you think? I think when they were writing this, they were just kind of like, well, I mean, she's a hooker or vanity. Like, I don't think they really thought about it quite as much as, as we maybe do. <laughs> Yeah. So I think well, so I think it's just like a bunch of shitty men being like, yeah, fuck her. She killed her boyfriend. What a whore. You know, like, yeah, and she's trapped as an uggo forever. 
I don't know. Maybe maybe there was like a very that, that'll, sensitive. That'll, that'll teach her to gold maybe dig. There was, maybe there was a very sensitive Marxist amongst all the Coke monsters who were writing these stories. And they were like, and he was like, wait, guys. <laughs> hey, I'm going to say something. Society. I'm yeah. going to say something sad and true about society. <laughs> and 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 of course, and of course, it's all put within the uh, context of money because they're a Marxist. All right. <clears throat> Next time, we have an episode in which we get to see Amanda Plummer make love like a praying mantis. So stay tuned for episode five from season one. Lover, come hack to me. As always, if you would like to support Tales from the Crypt and our show, you can find um, our Amazon affiliated link for to purchase the DVDs in the description of this episode. Once again, thank you for listening to Crypt Creepers. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or the platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, and review us. Be sure to visit outrageousmechanisms.com slash cryptcreepers to see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts. Till next time, kitties. Let me leave you with this little ditty sung by gold-digging angels in Anglican heaven. All things bright and beautiful, all features great and small, all things your eyes find wonderful, won't matter once our tits fall. (laughs) Oh, man. An outrageous, An outrageous mechanism's, mechanism's production. production.